What's happening, everybody? Ryan Thomas here on the Crowd Assist Podcast, The Cap, joined by my partner Kevin Masari for another great episode, another great edition. We got a lot in store for you in this episode of The Cap. Kevin, how you doing, buddy? Doing well, man. How are you? I'm doing good. So we have had an eventful day within the Trainwreck Sports brand, just to touch on this to start the show. Uh, they have been hard at work, T Supreme putting together this Trainwreck Sports 2020 Buffalo, best of Buffalo bracket, I should say. And we got a, a big matchup, Beef on Wick as the two seed, Transit Driving as the 15th seed. You joined me in the hopeful takeover process in trying to rally some of the troops to get some votes for the Transit Driving Theater. I'd imagine you've taken the little one there and your wife a few times. I greatly appreciate it. Thanks for hopping on the bandwagon with me. Yeah. And I mean, anything I can do to help out. I'm also, I love a good tender beef, but I'm also not a big beef on WEC fan. I don't like Himalayan bread. Um, right. You know, it's, I know diehard people that have lived in Buffalo forever that even get beef on white bread or white, uh, you know, right, white bun. I think Himalayan bread's not that good. Um, horseradish is very, very powerful. It's weird. It's a weird taste. I think it needs to be diluted with ketchup, like in cocktail sauce. Uh, yep. I don't, I don't think it's very good or horsey sauce. But I don't. I, I thought they got a shaft. The transit. I thought there were some questionable Ken Palm rankings um, to get a 15 seed. I thought they played well enough during the year to be a higher seed than that. Um, coming out of the mid major brackets, I thought maybe a 12 or 13 could have been the the right docket. They got a tough matchup, but came yeah, close. That's a real tough draw. Yeah, it came close here from what it looks like. But uh, it looks like Beef on Wick is making a final final pull away. Right, right. And I expected you know to rally the troops as best as I could, make things close. At one point, it was deadlocked at 50 apiece, 50% apiece. And I thought, wow, we really might have a shot at this thing. And um, talking to a lot of fellow Lockportians, being that that's my hometown, you know, I was trying to rally them a little bit and try to say, hey, let's, let's support our local business because what better time to do it than right now with the entire coronavirus pandemic kind of sweeping through the nation and, and unfortunately sweeping through the state of New York, making its way over to, to Western New York and it has been a crazy few weeks, but as always, Kevin and myself will do our best to keep you guys entertained and to give you guys some great Buffalo Bills sports content for you, the listeners at home. So Kevin, let's get right into it. Last week, we talked about a lot of the defensive positions in this 2020 NFL draft, in particular the defensive ends, safeties, corners, a little bit of wide receivers as well. But we kept it kind of, kind of a cliffhanger at the end of the last week's show where we told the listeners that, hey, we're going to be diving into the running back position. We want, you know, to, to really dive into this position, um, figure out who we think is potentially a fit for the Buffalo Bills, and, and maybe somewhat, you know, dive into all the running backs, talk about what we like, what we dislike. So, Kevin, let's get right into it. I would say that this running back class is pretty solid, but in your humble opinion, who is the one running back that really stands out to you in this 2020 NFL draft class? There's a tier of them. Um, I think a lot of people are now starting to put Jonathan Taylor as the number one running back in this in this class. Uh, there's arguments for Dobbins or Swift, um, but I think to me, Jonathan Taylor is starting to pull away um, as probably the premier back. I mean, I have this as a pretty solid running back class. It was um, a couple of guys stayed in school that would have made it a really good, you know, Travis Etienne um, from Clemson. Um, but I, I'm a big fan of Jonathan Taylor. I think he brings exactly what the Bills are looking for at 5'10", 218. 
uh, ran okay, um, but as you know, just that, that production is something that Brandon Bean's going to be really into. You know, he had 6,100 rushing yards. Um, you know, most through three seasons of college football, um, he beat out Herschel Walker for that record. So, uh, right. really, really good player. It's really being compared to a Leonard Fournette type of runner. Um, but he projects to like that kind of physical, really solid downhill back, really good in the open f- field. Um, he can, you know, take all the carries he needs to. He's got a really good, you know, body build. Um, you know, he's not going to be that pass catching receiver um, that you're looking for. Um, he just, he got a little bit better at his senior year, but only had 16 catches through his first two years. Um, so I guess he, he's able to show that a little bit. Devin Singletary didn't do too much of it in college either. So, um, that's he's going to bring that to the table, um, but you know the Bills have a really good receiving back, and and, and T.J. Yeldon didn't really want to use him. They they thought the downhill style of Frank Gore was more important than a good receiving back, and I don't know why that would change their mind going into this year. Um, so they have that 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 they're probably going to roll with us as of this point. T.J. Yeldon, um, you know, they have a special teamer behind him and a young guy, or not young, but a developing guy in Christian Wade behind him. So I think they're looking right. for that rookie to kind of round this thing out. Um, and someone like Jonathan Taylor at 54 would really, really, really be um, the fit I'm looking for if you're looking to go high on this thing. He could be gone at that point, Ryan, but um, that's that's kind of what I've I've been hoping for. And then there's also, you know, a lot of names we can get into um, beside him that I think are solid, depending on what round you want to talk about. But Swift is being talked about now in the same range, uh, could go anywhere between 20 and 50. Good, good, solid back. Um, you know, d- does a lot of things well. You know, you have, De- uh, you have uh, Cam Akers, a guy from Florida State. A lot of people like. You have J.K. Dobbins, is a guy that um, yeah. has developed well in Clyde Edwards Hilaire. So I don't know. Um, you can throw Zach Moss in that mix too. So that's kind of the top class. As you get much below that, I, I don't know how much the Bills are going to play in the class below guys that are going to struggle to beat T.J. Yeldon, but. You know, is there anyone, you know, I talked about Taylor. Is there Swift, Dobbins, Akers, Edwards, Hilaire, Moss? Is there a guy that jumps out to you at any point in this in this draft? Well, yeah, and, and as far as there there are, um, I would say to answer it, you know, to answer it right out of the gate, there definitely is. I, I agree with you in the fact that this running back class is is fairly solid. I guess the, the bigger question is the the value or perceived value of the running back in today's day and age of the National Football League. There have been running backs that have been picked inside the first round, but those are, are you know, the elite of the elite. And even last year, uh, Josh Jacobs went in the first round with the Raiders' uh, second or third first-round pick. And uh, out of those, you know, they had multiple first-round picks. And uh, Josh Jacobs was, was phenomenal. I thought he more than deserved yep. the uh, opportunity to take home the Offensive Rookie of the Year award. But in terms of Jonathan Taylor, just talking about him briefly here and adding on to what you were saying, it's really hard not to love him based on a few factors that I feel like are a little bit underrated uh, that, that don't get talked about enough is his pass blocking ability. This guy has run people over without the ball in his hands. Uh, That excites me knowing that the Buffalo bills don't really have that type of running back on the roster in terms of a pass protecting running back. Devin Singletary is not that guy, unfortunately. Right. Um, and, and TJ Yeldon, I would say is more of a PPR, you know, um, points per reception for fantasy purposes, but literally a, a reception receiving running back. So Jonathan Taylor, I really like another guy that, that jumps out to me, to be honest, in terms of 
a sleeper player, a guy that could be a mid-round pick that is that thick body that I really like. And in terms of collegiate production, I thought he brought it would be white would be, um, pardon me, Michael Warren, uh, the second out of Cincinnati. He'll probably go in the mid rounds. He's probably going to go fourth or fifth round if, if I were to guess at the highest of picks, but somebody that's 5'11", 223, ran for over 2,500 yards across the past two years in Cincinnati, 36, 37 total touchdowns, most of which I believe he hit 34 of them rushing. So really an accomplished player. And for a guy as thick and as big and as bulky as he is, he runs very light on his feet and in watching how he runs and how he moves very agile for a guy that big, almost Marshawn Lynch-esque in that way. Marshawn Lynch kind of ran off the corners of his feet. You guys know what I mean. For those of you that are listening, and Kevin, you, you could definitely attest to that as well. So Michael Warren, the second I really like in terms of like a mid-round, you know, flyer on a running back. If Buffalo can't get, you know, one of these other running backs. And a common theme that I've noticed, Kevin, and maybe you could add on to this as well, it appears as if guys like J.K. Dobbins – uh, DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, uh, Hilaire out of LSU. They're all very, they're all not small, but in height, they're 5'10 or lower. So would Buffalo really want to bring in a running back that has a similar skill set to Devin Singletary? Or, or do they want to bring in a, a running back that has a contrast in skill set compared to Singletary? Yeah, they have one on the roster that's a contrast in TJ Eldon, you know, a bigger back who has a good blocking reputation, actually. Good pass catcher, bigger, bigger um, style. Not The funny part about him is he's not a bruiser, um, but he does right. play pass pretty well, and he is a good receiving back. So I think he's a complete kind of a good comparison. So they kind of have that. So I think they can either go with a hybrid, they can go with one way or the other. I think you mentioned it earlier in your in – your, um, when you, when you first started was, you know, I think it's all about value for them rather than trying to fit JK Dobbins in somewhere because that's who they want. Um, I think that they'd be looking at that value and say, okay, Jonathan Taylor, we had as a first round running back. He's here at 54. Um, this is a big need for us. We need to add talent to this roster. Running backs don't sign second year contracts with their same team. Look, I mean, even the, the few examples that have or cut or traded, really, Zeke Elliott's one of the only ones that is continuing on with their second contracts. You need to. You never know at what point one of them could get hurt. Um, Singletary did get hurt last year. Um, so I think that you can't just say, you know, I want someone completely different. I mean, they, they did with Frank Gore and just mm-hmm. often stalled when he was on the field. He's a great veteran. He, he gave a lot in the, in the puddle, did a couple right. things well, but it just when he was off the field, you lose that playmaking. You don't want that to happen if he needs a breather. Singletary needs a breather. You want the best player you can that fits your offense. Um, I'm not saying you want someone just literally identical to him, um, but I think there's a lot of good options if they do want to go like you mentioned with that bigger sure. back, but they're going to be, you can get that a little bit later, like the AJ Dillons, the Lamarical P Rines um, mm-hmm. from Florida. Um, there, there's a couple names, Javon Leak from Maryland, just depends who they're looking for um, in that bigger statue. But I don't think the success rate of day three is very good. Everyone says you can always find a running back. Well, if you're going to just take one in day three, you might as well just wait it out and see what you can get as an undrafted free agent or take one with that seventh round pick you got from Minnesota. No, no reason to, to mess with the fourth through sixth round. It's not a successful uh, draft range. There's a lot of them taken. You can remember some of them that were taken late, but it's a really big miss, right? Um, a lot bigger than people think because of the devaluation of the position. The second and third round, like we said, they kind of teased the la- on the last episode, that's the round you want to be in. There's a, like a 50% um, a success rate in terms of if that player is productive or not. 
think is a pretty high success rate. And that's where you're going to get the Jonathan Taylors, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers. Um, you know, and I, I don't think you necessarily need to be a certain height. You just need to be a certain playing style and maybe, you know, right. going five, nine, but maybe a Zach Moss five, nine, two twenty three, uh, right. is a guy. That that might take away fans. <laughs> yeah. Right. That was my next segue. I would say too, you know, to answer, you know, to add another answer to your question with, with who is the, the sleeper, I would say Zach Moss. And in terms of having a similar skill set to Devin Singletary, but also having some of those things that, you know, you would want in a, in a power four net style running back, 5'9", 222, a bowling ball of a runner. Um, obviously, he's got some some bloodlines that are former NFL wide receivers on the league with Santana and, and Senoris Moss. Um, I think in terms of production, the production is there. Three consecutive seasons that are 1,000 yards, numerous rushing records at Utah, and is somebody that I think – could be an immediate impact player and value wise I would say that Jonathan Taylor is that guy that would be perfect for Buffalo but value wise if Buffalo could get a a Moss later than they could maybe to trade up for a Jonathan Taylor that would be I think that would be a home run for the Buffalo Bills and I think Bills fans would really enjoy watching this guy yeah, but I, I think what better to pair a third round running back with potentially a third round running back. And I have Moss pretty much slated in that range and all my uh, different sources that I'm looking through. And my opinion, I think he's a third round pick. Um, that means could he go in the second? Sure. Could he go in the fourth? You know, possibly. But I think that he's a third round pick and that's where the Bills would need to target someone like uh, Moss. And then another name to watch out for, if they're going to try to find a guy later in the draft, which I'm not the biggest fan of, I'd rather them that's where they start to fill out some of those depth positions at, you know, maybe DB or linebacker. But if they do decide to go the running back backup route at the later in the draft guy named Darrington Evans from Appalachian state. Um, he's a solid football player. He's a guy that I think he can have in day three. I have him probably in the fifth to sixth round range, um, you know, five eleven, two hundred. 200, you know, so a little bigger four, four, one speed. Um, he's compared to Lamar, like I'm the Lamar Miller type, um, but he's, he's got that speed and straight, uh, straight line speed style. Um, he'll, you know, he's physical, he's a good change of pace kind of guy. Um, he had ran for a 6.6 yards clip. Uh, I think he's going to be a really, really good deep player. So that's, that's a guy I'd watch out for is Darrington Evans from Appalachian state. Uh, it's kind of my and, sleeper and I think yeah, he's a and, good comparison. And that's a running back that battled his way back too. like, I, I I tend to appreciate the stories of a player that was able to come out of a, a bad injury. He had an injury in his uh, sophomore season, a knee injury in 2017. And then as soon as he was back, it was like he, he didn't miss a beat. So the fact that you have a player that, that suffered an injury that held him back, he comes back, puts out production. Um, that's a, that's a late round guy at Appalachian state, a, a smaller school that could definitely make a difference. Another running back that I really liked, that I consider a quote-unquote small school stud would be Levante Bellamy out of Western Michigan. Max he Special. Is, he, yes, Max Special right there. He is actually – he's small. He's 5'9", 185 pounds, but he dominated the Mac at 2,700 combined rushing yards the past two years. He's got vision. The burst is there. I mean, he's got all the intangibles of being a difference maker. And those are the guys that, for whatever reason – they well, there's a lot of reasons but they always slip through the cracks and they might take maybe one run with one team and it might not go so well 
and then another run with another team, and it might go well enough for him to get some solid playing time. And I can think of a running back off the top of my head that had that happen um, to his own career. And, and Damian Williams of Kansas City, he was in Miami. It didn't really go that well. And then he gets, you know, sent to uh, Kansas City. Um, I actually look at Levante Bellamy and say to myself, he's a guy that might not do well his first go around. You know, maybe he could, maybe he might have some adversity with people kind of labeling him as a small, small school running back. Um, but he could catch fire, you know, maybe year two, year three, um, and be a difference maker in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm always a big, big proponent of smaller school running backs. I think that they can, sh- it's the one position group that can easily convert. I think, you know, UB is returning two of the best college running backs in the country. Uh, you know, that Patterson, who's probably going to be talked about in the segment next year. Um, yep. As the, I think higher than Bellamy, I think he's going to be a day two pick possibly depending on how he does. But Bellamy was the Mac player, offensive player of the year. Um, in a pretty decent um, football conference, um, definitely higher than than they are for basketball in terms of where the MAC would rank in football. Um, so I think that that's a really good good player that they're going to get um, if you decide to go once again in that that day three range. We gave you a couple of names and Evans and Bellamy to look out for. Um, I think that they could really be um, good players if you are going to sleep on that position group. I think it's top heavy. I think beside a couple of those names we mentioned, I don't like a lot of the mid round picks in between the guys we talked about and the kind of our sleepers, right. um, you know, Dylan and Lamarca Pirine are there interesting enough, but really after Zach Moss goes off the board after Adler Hilaire, um, you know, you get into a couple of guys that I'm not super keen on. So I get, I guess at this point you're going to either use that day two pick or you might wait it out to you're getting into Darrington Evans, um, Darrington Evans range so or Bellamy range which is going to be in the fifth sixth seventh round so I don't think there's really a need to go fourth fifth in there I just think you're wasting that pick um I really would like them to address this early I do think running back two is their biggest need on the roster um you can argue to your blue in the face how important the position is I think it's important because one injury to Singletary and you're running TJ Yeldon uh exclusively um, I think you need to bring as many offensive weapons as possible as you did at receiver. And I think, you know, you have some really good opportunities here um, to get a really good running back um, before, you know, in the eighties, you know, fifties or eighties, depending on what you deem necessary. And I, I really think they're going to try to add accomplished player like Jonathan Taylor um, to the offense if he's available. Right. Ryan. So I don't know kind of where you right. kind of leave off on that. Yeah, I would definitely agree and, and just play devil's advocate for the, for the listeners. Um, I would definitely agree that, that Taylor ideally would be the guy that I would want. As you mentioned, it's a matter of if he's there or when could Buffalo or who Buffalo could trade up with if they have to. Um, if they can't get a Jonathan Taylor is a um, Cam Akers, a guy that they would go after with the accomplished college career that he had, five-star recruit, very solid production. But as I mentioned, you know, where do they prioritize – it's not that I prioritize them getting a running back that's completely in contrast to Devin Singletary because if they could get two Devin Singletaries on this team, I'd be pretty happy, right. to be quite honest with you. But uh, if they could get a running back that's a little bit more of a power runner to be that kind of, um, you know, break the defense down and then allow Devin Singletary to, to burn the defense, um, that, would be cool to, that would be cool to watch if they get that guy in Jonathan Taylor, who I think is that guy, that would be great. 
But if they couldn't get Jonathan Taylor, you know, Michael Warren or um, someone that would be a middle round pick out of outside of, you know, the ones that we mentioned, Darrington Evans, I would say, you know, uh, Warren is a solid one. Um, you'd really be stretching things, though, going outside of Zach Moss. And I think that that's, that's the guy that I would want. If, if we can't get Jonathan Taylor, I personally would want Zach Moss. I want a bigger bag. Me personally, I just want somebody that could thump through the defense, wear them down, and then Devin Singletary. I think Devin Singletary would be an even better running back if he had a running back like that to play with. Um, and in terms of pass protection and things like that, um, you know, you watch, there's, there's little film tapes out there on, on the blocking ability of Jonathan Taylor. And this guy, he is, he is really something in terms of his pass, pass protection. I haven't seen a running back like him in terms of pass protection in quite some time. So I look forward to this class. And to be quite honest with you, Kevin, this is my favorite running back to my favorite I guess, position to look at every year is the running back position. I feel like these running backs these last few years have been so undervalued because there's this perception that the running back is, is not that important. And I think it could be further from the truth. I mean, there is a difference in terms of intangibles and value, you know, Ezekiel Elliott going in the first round or a Devin Singletary going in a third round. There's reasons why those things happen. There's running backs that are six foot one, two twenty, they can run a four, four, and there's a running back that's maybe 5'9", you know, 200 that can run a 4'4". There, there are differences to every single player, obviously. And I think over the last few years, we've seen these running backs get drafted high. They've dominated, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, Christian McCaffrey. But each one of them suffers the same fear. They're one horrible injury away from being out on the street as a free agent, signing a one-year deal like Todd Gurley that, you know, last week or a week and a half ago. So finding that guy that is durable, I think is important. And I think that's, that's easier said than done. Yeah, of course it is. I mean, it just depends on what kind of running back. If you want it inside the, you know, inside the numbers runner, JK Dobbins um, grades out really well there. And I mean, blocking back, you're not going to find much better than a DeAndre Swift. Um, he's right. been just outstanding. You know, he's got that competitiveness, so we can't count him out. He sat behind Sonny Michelle and Nick Chubb. Um, so you can never count him out out of Georgia, coming from a good running back school. Um, Great running back school, yeah. yeah I mean, he's phenomenal. so gifted. He's a gifted player. There, there's a lot of gifted players here. So it, it, they could go with what any, any, any route that they want. If they want to go with the receiving back out of Arizona State, and, uh, I know Benjamin. Um, 77 mm-hmm. catches he had. I mean, that's if, if right. you really want that, a complete receiving back, and you, you are wanting someone that can compete with Yeldon or, or do more receiving for Josh Allen if they're going to throw the ball more, watch out for him in the third round. I've been seeing him um, in that third to fourth round range as well. So um, he's kind of a bowling ball at Arizona State. So there's some really good names. It all depends on what kind of running back they want and mix that up with the value. Whether they want that, you know, breaking tackles kind of guy in Edwards Hilaire or the, you know, the blocking, do everything competitive nature, DeAndre Swift, um, who's just a gifted player, could fit well into a Sean McDermott style of, of team. So, right. lots of good names in this. I'd like them to play in this. I don't see any reason that they wouldn't. They have a gaping hole to me. Um, to pair them up with two young running backs and two really good contracts, you know, under a million dollars. Um, you have four years when you're going to have to pay some players pretty soon. Why would you do anything else if you have two guys under control, Singletary for another three, and they're this running back for another four um, uh, under a million? 
um, I think that that's a no brainer. And I think that um, that could really help out this team. So I wouldn't be shocked to see them play in this rookie market. And um, there's some really good names. I think we'll uh, probably tackle it a little bit more uh, maybe the night before the draft as we two weeks away. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And as, as we see, yeah, as we see, you know, here, you know, which teams are inquiring about which players, which teams have had Zoom calls at this point um, with, with some of these certain players. And as you mentioned, Eno Benjamin, I watched an interview with him recently, and the comparison that he gets a lot quite often is Frank Gore, which I find to be pretty interesting because he has a lot of receiving ability. As you mentioned, he had 77 catches um, in, in his uh, last season there. And I think that for some of these guys, you have to throw – the small school thing out of the window. Like I mentioned Michael Warren earlier, he went to Cincinnati, not the biggest school, uh, not the smallest school either. It's kind of a tweener in between. Right. I'm not really looking at the school. I'm looking at the production and I'm looking at the fact that, as you mentioned, pairing Devin Singletary on a rookie contract with another great running back on a rookie contract. And it came to my attention while looking at these running backs and, and looking at the running backs of years past in Buffalo Bills history, for a team that went through a 17-year playoff drought, they have had some phenomenal running backs in their franchise in the last 17 years. Yeah, definitely. It's crazy. I think it's a crazy. Great class. I'd like to dive back into it, see if anything changes. Um, it's definitely the position group that I'd like to talk about the night before. So, you know, uh, sure, two yeah. weeks we'll probably do a Wednesday rather than a Tuesday show. Um, next week we can either do a Tuesday or Wednesday. Obviously. Yeah, um, yeah so, good. Sounds good. And, and um, I mean, kind of to the next topic, you know, just real briefly, um, it does seem like there's some disgruntledness out of Jacksonville and Yannick Ngakwe, um, a player that um, got into a little tiff with Richie Incognito in the playoffs a couple of years back. Um, a guy that really doesn't want anything to do with Jacksonville at this point. So what kind of right. your take on that? And give me the max that if Brandon Bede made that phone call, because remember, you're going to pay this guy 16 to 18 million. So what's the max you're going to, you would, you would give up in draft capital for Yannick and Gakway? Well, I'll put it to you this way, Kevin, and I really appreciate the question. Um, as far as what I would give up for Yannick and Gakway, I look at it this way. The Jacksonville Jaguars are in a, are in a little bit of a bind and a little bit of a pickle, if you will, with Yannick and Gakway due to the fact that, he wants out. He does not want to be there. Um, the direction of the franchise is kind of up in the air. You know, Gardner Minshew did some decent things at quarterback last year, but is he really the guy? You know, there's some uncertainty there, as well as obviously his contract. If you know Jacksonville is looking to trade him, whichever team they decide or whatever team inquires, I would say that team is in the driver's seat um, due to the, the position that they're in. Yes, Ngaku is is the uh, Gakwe is the talent uh, that, you know, is desired. But this is one of those trades where I think Yannick could be traded away for something cheaper, maybe some mid-round picks, maybe two-thirds, maybe a third and a fourth or a third and a fifth. Um, not anything major because they will have to pay him. Whatever team, you know, trades for him will have to pay him a, a big salary. Do I think he's worth – the salary that, you know, the 14, 15, 16 million dollar range, I think he could be on the right team. And I think the Buffalo Bills would be a phenomenal fit for this player. I don't know where you sit on that, but I really feel like that would be another big get by the Buffalo Bills, bringing in Stefan Diggs and, and Yannick in the same offseason. 
and then drafting a Jonathan Taylor. Let's just say they swing and hit the fastball right down the middle and, and hit it over the center field wall. I would say that that's, that would be what they would be doing on all three of those acquisitions, just lining it up, taking a swing and, and hitting it out of the park with those three acquisitions that could really change drastically the expectations, which I think are already high in right. Bill's mafia um, across Bill's mafia, Bill's nation, if you will. So I really think that whichever team tries to trade for him, they're in the driver's seat. They're essentially naming their price. And, and if Jacksonville uh, get something that they like, then then they'll trade him. Very, very possibly. It's he's pretty been vocal on Twitter, basically saying let let me free. Um, and, you know, they. I don't think they have much of a play here. And if I was them, I'd probably want to use my draft pick this year rather than wait this thing out more. Um, right. It's tough because he basically tweeted at the team saying, "Why, you know, why hold me hostage? I'm trying to take care of my family." I don't think you come back from that. <clears throat> that lowers no. his value. Right. He said today that he wants to be part of a winning team that has a great culture and winning is a habit. You know, I don't want to go as far as culture. Yeah. <laughs> <You're> like what? <laughs> I don't want to go as far as saying winning is, you know, a habit in Buffalo at this point. They've, you know, they've, they've done some of that lately, um, but it's definitely been good. And it's definitely something um, that, could fit in the card for him two out of three years in the playoffs. Um, Sean McDermott's right. over 500 at this point. I'm looking to grow on that. I just, with a contract he needs of probably 17 a year, um, I think it's got to be similar. I mean, he's got a four straight eight plus sack years. I mean, he's got 39 and a half sacks through his first four years. Um, he's productive. He's that missing piece of this, this, this front seven. I think the bills could use, um it's just that compensation that's what it comes down to could i see giving up multiple uh number twos probably not could i see giving up a singular second round pick i think that's about the range a second and a future pick um i'd be leaning toward giving that second up if it's 2021 and then I don't know if they, you know, some type of deal this year. Um, yeah, if they did a mid-round and a second next year, I, I would be all for that. Or if they did, you know, a third this year and a, and a fifth next year, I would yeah. be all for that. And in terms of availability, too, I mean, he's obviously available. And Jadavion Clowney is still a free agent as well due to his price being so high. And and I kind of rationalize it this way. Who would you rather have, uh, Yannick or, or Jadavion? Jadavion Clowney, I I would rather have Yannick, to be quite honest with you, based on the consistent eight sacks per year. They're, they're very different players in their own way. But just in terms of the price that Jadavion Clowney is commanding, there were several reports that said he's looking for $20, 21000000 Is he worth that? I don't, I don't think so. So that, that's kind of another, how do you analyze this market with these players that one of them is a free agent, the other one is on a team, but he wants to be traded. He's unhappy. Um, and, and prioritizing which one would you rather have. I think a lot of teams are kind of doing that right now, looking at both Clowney and, and Yannick. That could be just me being speculative, but I, I, I kind of see it that way in some ways. Yeah, and I mean, a 2020 third-round pick is all Clowney went for last year. I know he was on a one-year contract, but so is essentially um, uh, Ngakwe. There's no guarantee he's going to sign a new contract. There wasn't a guarantee that Clowney would sign a new contract, and D Ford went for a second-round pick last year. I mean, they're right. very similar situations. I think that those are the the real precedent on a trade between a third and a fourth, or excuse me, a second and a third. I would be tend to do probably a third this year, and a uh, they don't have a fourth next year, so it'd probably be a third and a fifth, like you mentioned. Right. Could they do two threes? 
Um, I think it's very possible if they really liked the player, they could do a three this year and a three next year. Um, that would really leave them though with just a first this year and a first and a second next year. That would be it for their um, their their the remaining picks. But you know, those are still some pretty high picks. Um, so they would just have that second this year and a first and a second next year. I mean, that that'd be right. a li- limited amount of 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 draft capital. But um, for sure, D Ford, I think, is the precedent in this thing. He went for he signed a new deal and went for a second. I think that that's exactly the range that um, Ngakwe would be in. Um, I think the contract probably similar. He went for five for 85, uh, you know, really cap hit hovering around that 15 to 17 million. I think that it would be pretty much the polar opposite or polar exact deal that, um, that they um, want to sign. So that's, I think the good example. And I think that a team should be willing to do that. Um, but Hey, I, I understand the theory that, I mean, Seattle's out on Clowney. I understand the theory that, Hey, I can save two thirds or, or, or second and a fifth. I can save that and sign Clowney. Maybe he's mm-hmm. not quite the pass rusher, but he does a lot of other things super well. Um, maybe I'll pay him a couple for a couple of years and keep my draft pick. So I, I see, I see the see argument. Yeah. Right. Right. It's, and, and that's what makes it interesting. It's, it's really a double-edged sword. You pay Clowney more, you know, per year compared to to Yannick um, or do you trade draft capital away for Yannick and pay Yannick a couple million less than Clowney it's it's tough you know I I definitely I've, I've kind of mulled that over and looking at you know what Buffalo could do um, there has been any reports that Buffalo is interested in Clowney nothing you know substantial but in terms of this whole thing I, I definitely feel like um, you, know, you mentioned briefly where the Buffalo Bills stand right now as a franchise maybe they're not you know, known for a winning culture just yet, but these are the types of moves that teams that are on the, on the cusp of being great, they make those moves. It's, it's similar to why they made that move with Stefan Diggs. And uh, I think it would fall in line with, with making this move that the same verbiage of, we know who we are. We made the playoffs two out of the last three seasons. We like our quarterback. We love our coach. Um, let's just build this up and get as much athletic talent as possible to make this, make it, make a run at this thing, make a run, not just at the AFC East, but at the end of the day, these teams are drafting players, trying to make these teams great in order to win the Super Bowl, which Buffalo has not done yet. Obviously, unfortunately. I think it gets so, interesting for Buffalo to be able to use their second and third and uh, fourth round picks this year. And then being able to maybe call Jacksonville, maybe not filling edge and calling Jacksonville in May and saying, Hey, we know he's not going to report. You want to trade us, trade him over for um, a 2021 third and a 2022 fourth or something. Um, I think that that gets very, very interesting for Bean to be able to put that on the roster while they have a chance to win here. Um, and right. on top of adding in this draft class, I think it's a lot more appealing than having to know no first, no second. Mm-hmm. Um so I think that there's a lot of things that could happen. I think, you know, between Clowney and, and Gakwe, they both get very interesting post draft, especially if they're unable to match up their value to edge and the bills have everything else filled, but that final edge spot. And at the end of the day, I mean, they could use Murphy in a trade. I don't I know he's not worth much, but I mean, it is a comparable, you are not comparable, usable player going back to Jacksonville. Um, right. They have under contract for a year. Um, that, you know, can fill right in, you know, is he going to be the pass rusher? No, but he does some things well, um, can maybe bite, take a bite out of that second, uh, that second pick the Bills would have to give up and maybe just have to give up the one second and Trent Murphy. Um, I think now, that, you would that, know, that would be yeah, it. Oh, sir. Yeah. You know, you would know this better than me as far as, um, 
his contract, I can't remember where it stands. Uh, so just to fill the listeners in on that, as far as Trent Murphy's contract, if Buffalo were to trade him, what would the team – I'm not trying to put you on the spot here. I just didn't know – I didn't know this. I think this does play into it. But what would what would that team pay uh, Trent Murphy? Like, are we paying yeah. him all bonus money or, or are we paying him uh, salary cap? Oh, there's some cap money involved there. So really, um, whether the Bills cut him or trade him, it's the same to them, meaning that they're going to take a dead cap hit of $1.175 million, almost $2 million. The new team only has to pay Trent Murphy $8 million. One year for $8 million with no guaranteed money, meaning if he makes oh, wow. a week one roster, then he's paid as guaranteed. So if, as a veteran, if you make the week one roster, you're guaranteed that salary. However, if he shows up and he's terrible, you can cut him and the only person that takes a hit would be the Bills at $2 million or $1.75 million. Um, so there, it is a value team-friendly deal. I mean, the Bills don't have to move on from this deal at this point. Um, the only reason you would would be to pay Clowney or to pay Ngakwe, um, put that $8 million into his deal. 1.175 already is already eaten. Uh, you're not going to be able to do anything about that. But you can save um, you know, an $8 million against the cap to, to trade or cut him. So I think he's still valuable enough that you wouldn't cut him just for the dollars. Um, I still like him in the rotation. He played really well uh, at the end of the season and in the playoffs. I don't want to just cut him as our third or fourth right. defensive end. But if he can be put into a deal, um, it's, exactly. and it's plausible right. too because Clowney right. was traded with some – it wasn't just a pick, it was traded with players. Um, so it is, it is plausible that a team would say, you know what, we could just fill a need for right now and not have to worry about a contract, give this guy $8 million. it's less than Ngakwe was making. He can start for us day one, and if we like him, we can re-sign him. Um, he wants to play here. I think that's all lucrative enough to not need the Bills to add a second pick, like a third – you know, an additional fourth or fifth that we were talking about. So maybe a right. second in Murphy is probably about where I max out. It helps the Bills with cap. Um, that's about where I max out and, uh, you know, and, and, and plausibly a second next year, not, not this first pick of this draft. So that's, that's kind of where I net out with the Ngakwe whole situation, Ryan. So, um, yeah, definitely. I, I, I would, I would definitely be pretty, you know, ecstatic if they were able to somehow pull that off, um, given any of the methods that, that we talked about in, in terms of how they could pull that off. I feel like that would be a really good move, and I feel like that would be a move that would excite the Bills fans and would let the whole league know that, hey, we're, we're not just done getting Stephon Diggs. We're, we're, we're really going for this thing, and now is the time to do it, I feel, more than, more than ever you know, in the last uh, five, ten years. So uh, moving on here, I, I wanted to kind of give the fans a little bit of a fantasy football tidbit to end the show. As yep. you look at this Bills roster right now in 2020, for the fantasy football fanatics out there, um, who would you say could potentially be the best offensive player for the Buffalo Bills in terms of fantasy football? I think there's a lot of people that could want this ball. There's three receivers. There's potentially this new running back. There's potentially, you know, there is Devin Singletary. There's, a, you know, Croft could come in to this situation as well as Knox. Um, I think it's tough to predict which receiver is going to play out as the best. I think there's going to be, some good receivers, but I still think that if all this goes well and we're talking about good things and not bad things. So I think there's two answers to this. Are the bills average eight and eight average? Um, I think the answer is different than if they're good. So if the answer is, if they're good, I think it's easily Josh Allen is the best fantasy player. I think that he's, you know, a top QB one, um, you know, just after the big, big names, I think he would be in the next tier called tier two. 
um, after, you know, your Mahomes, your Russell Wilson's, your Aaron Rodgers. And I, then I think, you know, and, and Watson, and then you, you're, you're getting into Josh Allen ranges, probably fifth to seventh ranked fantasy quarterback. I mm-hmm. think that he could have all the numbers with all this additional help with a gelling offensive line. I think he could be picked really early with his athleticism. Josh Allen is my, my fantasy player that I think is foolproof. I mean, I think even if the team is eight and eight, I still think Josh Allen could be a really good fantasy player. Now, if it's a skill player, I think you're going to have to go with Singletary. I think he's the bell cow back. Um, I think he's going to be a really good fantasy player. I think he's more the answer if the team isn't quite where we think they're going to be. I think he would be your my pick. Um, because what's going to happen? If the Bills aren't good, it's because they're not moving the ball. They're not throwing it particularly well. Diggs is hurt or whatever. Um, it's tough for me to say that Diggs, Beasley, or Brown are going to be the best Bills fantasy player. I think they're all going to be really good football players. But I got right. – to kind of wrap me up, I got Allen – um, in most situations, and if the team's not as good as I thought, or Allen, uh, you know, regresses, I think it's going to be Singletary. I agree, and it really comes down to those were the two that I was going to say. It's the great minds think alike. But to play a devil's advocate real quickly here to wrap up the show, um, it really depends on how your league is scored too, or if you have what I love to play in is a two quarterback league where oh. Josh Allen is foolproof. I think no matter what. But if you can get him as your second quarterback, I mean, you are you are in really, really good shape just in terms of his um, elusiveness as a runner. He got a lot better throwing the ball in year two, and, and he, it's only expected, I, I believe. You know, on paper right now, it, it could be very well assumed that he should be better via the air with the addition of Stephon Diggs. And as far as Diggs goes, I think he could potentially be that guy as well if you have a 40-yard uh, touchdown bonus. You know, Stephon Diggs is one of the better – deep ball, contested ball, catching receivers in the league. I could see him getting some blow-up weeks. Maybe one week he'll score 15 points, then another week he'll score 40, depending on your scoring. So I'm just excited to see how this offense plays out in reality, more so than fantasy. But I had to give something for the fantasy football listeners out there. Sounds good. Yeah, there's lots to look forward to, Ryan, um, coming up with this show. Um, Oh, for sure. Yeah, we're going to go, you know, one one week show next week or do one one next week as well, Tuesday. Um, and then I think the following week, we're going to get into a Wednesday show and then either see if we can rip something um, Friday, probably. So probably do like yeah. a Wednesday, Friday of the following week. Um, sounds to be, you know, we'll, we'll talk, we'll recap day one as well as who's left on the board. I think that'll be a good show on Friday. Um, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, I'm all for it. I, I definitely feel the, you know, um, rush of anticipation for the NFL draft, especially with everything going on right now in our world. And especially with the Bills fans always um, just juiced up and, and ready to go for anything involving the Buffalo Bills, whether it's the draft or the training camp or the start of the season. And hopefully that all goes according to plan in terms of the, the scheduling of all of that. Uh, Kevin, it was a pleasure, you know, talking with you on the Crowd Assist podcast, The Cap. Uh, presented by Picasso's Pizza, presented by Trainwreck Sports, sponsored by Picasso's, presented by Trainwreck Sports, I should say. And um, this was a great time talking running backs, talking a little bit of Yannick and Gakwe. I think this is a player that Buffalo should go after. Kevin, we're, we're kind of on the same page there as yep. far as compensation. That'll be one thing. Um, but, yeah, fantasy football, we'll be talking more about that as we inch closer to fantasy season as well. So thank you so much for tuning in, everybody, and take care.